you damn right. Hope everybody is having a good Wednesday. May only has one more day, and then we get to June, and you know what that means. June, July, August, the three big daddies are coming when it comes to Texas and heat. Enjoy 70-anything degrees while you have it because those summer temperatures are coming, and they are coming Quickly, It is Chad and Zay on this Wednesday. We're going to get into some football stuff. College football rolls towards us 94 days. Texas fans till that first game with Rice. And if you have a, a team playing September 2nd, you're 94 days away as well. We'll talk SEC meetings because they're talking schedules that affect Texas in the future. Also some decisions in the world of basketball and football, we got a couple special guests for you coming up. Our normal visit with Justin Wells of Inside Texas at 1. And we'll check in in Destin, Florida with Anwar Richardson of Orange Bloods, who's there to cover the beginning of the Texas relationship with the SEC. We'll see what he's hearing about scheduling and if there's anything else anyone wants to talk about in Florida. Plus, the uh, NBA Finals get cranked up tomorrow night as well. And uh, we'll be hitting that as we get closer. It's Chad and Zay. I'm Chad Hastings, and he is Isaiah Collier. What's up, Zay? What up, Chad? Happy Wednesday, everybody. Feeling good one day till the NBA Finals. The Horns play on Friday in baseball. Feeling good today. Ready to talk some SEC meetings. Yeah, some crazy stuff going on there. By the way, I was looking up some numbers on NBA. Denver 8-0 at home in the playoffs and 34-7 this season. Mm. And I think I read they haven't lost at home since March. Damn. So I got to double check that one. That sounds important. Right. But yeah, Miami having to go up to the altitude will be a part of that series. Yeah, what? type of workout plan that Nikola Jokic have because to be that doughy and to be that in shape so impressive to his lungs it's I ridiculous mean, yeah that's uh he he's he's so impressive if they can't slow him down that could be a very short series well it's gonna be a long series because they stretch the time out but in terms of games that might go pretty quickly uh we'll definitely be talking about that the next couple days and yes we are talking about scheduling in the sec zay over the last day or so i feel like when everybody got to florida that was what was discussed. It feels like questions started coming to all different coaches because now we've got little comments here and there from this coach, from that coach, and the they're still trying to figure this out. I think in a perfect world, Greg Sankey would love to tell everybody they figure this out by Friday when they. I think they close it up. You know, they're there a few days and then they're they're done for the weekend. And they'll we're be- talking about a. Uh- Eight-game schedule or nine-game schedule. Correct. That is – I mean, even – you know, there's a lot of details, I guess, that would need to be worked out clearly after that point. But just to vote on that, I don't think they've even gotten there. One of the funny quotes that you'll hear coming out of Florida right now actually comes from Missouri's coach. Eli Drinkwitz told reporters, I'm a history teacher by trade, and every time I come to one of these meetings, I'm blown away that the 13 colonies actually formed a union, but we can't agree on an eight- or nine-game schedule. Hmm. So that's you know that's his, his take on it. I'm reading that Mark Stoops at Kentucky likes eight games. I'm reading that Missouri's coach likes nine. I'm reading things like, Brian Kelly would really like to preserve the LSU-Bama game, if at all possible. I'm reading that Jimbo Fisher 
when asked about, well, if you had to pick one, who do you want to play? He said Texas. Oh, son of a bee. But that can't happen. Yeah. Because if you do that, you'd be putting Texas and OU as an every other year game, and that's not happening. That will never happen. Because the whole Cotton Bowl relationship, you can't tell the Cotton Bowl that. So that one's a little weird to me. And then you have the comments of Kirby Smart, obviously the big dog right now, in the SEC, back-to-back titles, coach of Georgia, and he says that this conversation is one of the most overrated, I think was his word, the most overrated conversation in the world. He says, four years, you'll play everybody, home and away. I get the traditional rivalries. You have three, you have two, you have one, you have this, you have that. You guys need something to write about bad when you start talking about this. See, you see how comfortable he is? That makes me so angry. He's too comfortable. He's so comfortable. He's the coach at Georgia, and he thinks the fans don't care what their schedule is? <laughs> what? Come on, Curb. Kirby, That's you know, what happens when you win, man. Kirby, you have to help me out, brah. You, no. know, you know that whole thing about SEC, it just means more? You have to own that every day. You don't get to own it sometimes. So guess what? It just means more when we're talking about SEC scheduling, just like it means more when we're talking about all of it. So you have to embrace this attention. Kirby Smart might as well just flat out said, uh, have you seen the last two NFL drafts? I don't care about this. We'll play whoever. We'll beat down whoever. And we'll be just continuing running this, recruiting trains, five stars, four stars, getting big-time players from the transfer portal, like – they ain't tripping that A.D. Mitchell's gone. That'd be a huge loss for the average team. Right. A.D. Mitchell just came down to Texas. Thank you, Kirby. I'm glad you're this confident. I'm glad. Stay that way. We'll take a couple more of your players. But, yeah, the last two national championships got him talking crazy, and he's not thinking like everybody else in the conference. He doesn't have to. And here's the other thing. The conversation in the conference isn't just him. It's not just about Georgia. So I think it's frustrated him these last couple years where he's coming off of a title, looking for back-to-back, and there was talk about Texas and Oklahoma. And, hey, can they get the time figured out? And, hey, would you want them to be on your 24 schedule? And Kirby's looking at the media like, really? That's what y'all want to talk about? Yeah. We just want it all. Then they go back-to-back. He's going for three in a row, shows up in Destin, Florida, and they throw a mic in his face and they say, hey, Kirby, what do you think the scheduling should be like next year? And he's probably ready to pull all the rest of his hair out thinking, really? Yeah. We're trying for three in a row. We're focusing on 2023. We've got whatever games coming that we've got. And you guys want to talk about. Like last year they had, was it Clemson the first game of the year? Wasn't it Clemson they played Um, early? And he was hot. Maybe Oregon. That the media, maybe it was Oregon. I think you're right. That uh, he he was so hot that they wanted to talk about anything else. Mm-hmm. So I kind of get that. Yo, but, and you know how he gets. You remember him cussing out the team before the TCU game? Like, he can fire you up now, and he'll use any type of motivation like this. Like, oh, they're disrespecting us. They're, think, they're talking about Texas and OU. We just weren't back-to-back champs. You guys coming in, y'all got to prove that. Y'all could be as good as these previous teams, which that's a lot of pressure, but you know, I wouldn't put it past them because, again, look at these recruiting teams that they get every year. Yeah. Top what? 10, top 5, and you know, recruiting battles every single year. It's become easy. That's why he's acting like, you know, that's why he's so annoyed to the fact that he's not getting any respect 
And he's not worried. Talking about it's the most overrated conversation? Come on, Curb. Come on, dog. All right, you want some real ironies, eh? Guess what the first four games for Georgia are this year? UT Martin. Beautiful. Ball State. Mm. South Carolina. And UAB. See, SEC always plays. Do they always play that third week that early? Some of them have to. Okay. The ones like Georgia that have a rival outside of the conference, they they have to squeeze something in early so they can get that Georgia Tech thing in later. Okay. Yeah, I don't know who their quarterback is coming in the season. That's something to look at, which we'll right. definitely look into as the summer goes along. But Spencer Rattler's coming back. That's right. He's coming back to uh, you know South Carolina, and I expect him to have – even better season than he did last year, which wasn't so bad with them going eight and four. So that's one of their yeah, that is one of those games that could be big in September. We'll take a look at some of those today. South Carolina, Georgia is a game that was mentioned. You mentioned Rattler, the big wins they had, the the way they matched up with Tennessee and Clemson last year got everybody's attention. And then they lost the bowl game by a hair yeah. against Notre Dame. Mm, was that, that Notre Dame right. in that bowl? They played somebody off their feet in a bowl game and just barely lost it. So Beamer's got stuff going there. Um, yeah, so ironically, there's not much schedule for Georgia to start with. So another reason why people are asking Kirby Smart about maybe some, uh, you know, the future of everything. So they are trying to figure it out. Uh, Greg Sankey met with football coaches yesterday to discuss a lot of topics, including the schedule. He says, I trust, or excuse me, I sensed a trust level in our decision-making process. Nick Saban uh, has weighed in. You know Nick loves to weigh in on stuff. Nick has already said he would love a schedule with nothing but Power 5 schools. <laughs> I love when he does Good I love, grief. love when he does stuff like this. <laughs> and he seems to be a supporter of a nine-game conference schedule, which I think would be great. Uh, Saban says, uh, quote, if we go to nine games, we'll have to unwind that in terms of his non-conference. They've got home and homes, by the way, scheduled with Wisconsin, Florida State, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. He said, my deal has always been to play more SEC games because we couldn't get more people to schedule. So now I think there are more people who are willing to schedule, so having a balance is probably most important. So he's trying to figure it all out. He's, he's using that argument about the SEC is so difficult, it takes so much out of you, that you need those easy non-conference games. So if I'm going to go schedule a home-and-home with Wisconsin, well, I need those other three easy games to balance it out. We talked about this yesterday with a 12-team playoff, Nick, that doesn't matter as much anymore. You don't, you don't need those weak-ass Ruthie Poot games playing against, yep. you know, Miss Middle Tennessee Tech United, stuff like that. You don't need that no more because it's a 12-team playoff. And, Nick, you're going to keep racking out these great recruiting squads. So why are you tripping? Like, why? I, I get that you could – you need some guys to gain confidence by beating the dog smack out of somebody. Certain guys, just they need that just so you can, you know, start some type of momentum. But with a 12-team playoff, no, not as much. I don't agree with that one bit. And that's so, that's why we'll check in with, with Anwar later, who's there in Florida. I wonder what those conversations are like. How much is that coming into play? Because it's all coming together. New SEC, new Big Ten, and new expanded playoff. All that happens at the same time. USC will play a Big Ten game against whatever their schedule is going to be. Texas is playing an SEC schedule, and there's an expanded 12-team playoff. So all that happens in 24. They're going to have to figure that out. And by the way, it is 
I will admit, it is a little easier than it looks. Zay, I sat down and just tried to scrawl out your 2-7 idea. Yeah, am I just simple-minded? Why is that not being thrown out there? I wanted to see if I could make it work. Now, somebody else might have done the math a little differently and maybe organized it well. Yeah, remember, you got that Aggie degree you're messing with. Just understand that. (laughs) Math is a two-semester course, (laughs) at least at A&M. So... Um, I tried to make it work out, and I came up a little short on two or three different teams. Because remember, if you're going to go two seven, just like the three six or one seven or whatever, if you go two seven, then when you're scheduling those other seven games, obviously you can't use one of those initial two. So you just have to work the all the combinations. And by the time I got to the end, I'm looking for games for like Missouri and Tennessee to play. I couldn't find extra the extra games. Yeah. I'm not telling you it's impossible. I'm just telling you my first time through it, it didn't work. It's So it is a little easier said than done, just like when people talked about a pod system. Oh, it's a pod system. It'll work. Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and A&M, they play each other every year, and then they play others. I tried to flesh that out, and I couldn't get it to work. That's the only one that makes sense. Everybody loves starting with Texas. What about everybody else? That's what I mean. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I, could- I know Texas has three teams that – Easy to play. Pick them out, bang, bang, bang. Like OU, A&M, Arkansas. Makes sense. But everybody else, nobody else has three that easy. Well, and also, Zay, I have not sat down. I mean, we put it's out there, still there at hornfm.com if you want to go see the idea that that I have thrown out that I like the most in terms of a 3-6. But I'll admit, the six aren't on here. The three are. So it says Texas would play OU, A&M, and Arkansas, but there's no fleshed-out schedule for everybody. I have not seen that at all. I yeah. haven't seen anybody throw a full idea out and go, all right, one seven, here's how it would work. Three six, here's how it would work. And for the other thing I loved about Kirby Smart's comments is how you know he's mad and doesn't want to talk about it. For the coach at Georgia to actually form his mouth to talk about rival games and say, yeah, you know, rivals, you got three, you got two, you got one, whatever. Dude, you're the coach at Georgia. So I'm saying it don't matter. You have some of the most important rivalries that conference has, and you might want to preserve them. So you want, And then here's the other thing. When Kirby says, four years you'll play everybody home and away, Kirby, we haven't been told that. So if you have, you need to convey that to us. When Jimbo Fisher let it out a little while ago about this 3-6 idea, and he said, yeah, from what I see, we would play LSU, Texas, and Mississippi State. And then people fleshed out that idea. SI put out the article or whatever. Nothing has been definitively mentioned, though. You know, the San Antonio Spurs, they don't really consider y'all Dallas Mavericks and the Houston Rockets rivals. You know why? Because they've won so much. That they don't look at y'all like that. Right. That's what Kirby Smart's doing. Yeah. He, he's low-key doing that without actually saying it. He's going out and just saying, you know what? This is the SEC. The competition's tough anyway. We're going to beat you down no matter what. And Florida, whatever, will beat y'all down in Jacksonville. We'll beat y'all down in Gainesville. It don't matter. We'll mm. beat y'all down because we win like that. <laughs> Somebody texted, Georgia is Shooter McAvin when Happy Gilmore comes on, <laughs> on the scene. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Georgia's everybody right now. Georgia's Happy and Shooter, and uh, they're everybody. If you want to throw something in, 337-3776, the Specs text line. Uh, a Texas fan says, I want A&M F Oklahoma. Yeah, I don't think most Texas fans think that way. Texas fans won Oklahoma if they had to pick. Yeah, I'd rather have OU. I and, don't know why. And then here's what I'd say to Aggies. If it turns into a 1-7, who's your one? Do you want it to be LSU? And is LSU okay with that? Ugh. LSU wouldn't play Arkansas, Bama, Florida, 
or Auburn every single year. See, that, that's what I'm saying. Like the one I can't, I can't stand that because LSU has to play Bama, and I know Bama has to play Auburn. Sure. Yeah, the, As, the Bama know, one's easy to me. Right? Yeah, it's all it's Auburn, no questions asked. But we know what Auburn's been lately, and we know what that game's been. Bama by a long shot. So that's that's what makes you want to mix it up because it feels like Texas OU. That's always going to be competitive, even with what we saw this past year, forty nine zero. They didn't have their starting quarterback Dylan Gabriel. I think it would have been a different game, but. Yeah, those other schools like LSU, I have to see LSU play Bama. But if LSU or if Auburn doesn't play Alabama, that's a serious problem. Yeah, you whether gotta, Auburn's good or not. To me, you got to have the Iron Bowl. Yeah, and there were forty some odd years where they didn't play it because they couldn't agree on stuff. They wouldn't let Auburn have home games like that. That's got a weird history. When but, was that? Uh, they went from they went forty. Something years right up through the end of World War II, okay, where they didn't play, yeah, and then they threatened both schools and said you can't have your state funding unless you play. And then the Iron Bowl showed back ah, up. Ah, yeah. Uh, this says watching SEC decision makers squirm on the scheduling issue because they can't admit their teams play three Pop Warner teams every year <laughs> has been entertaining. <laughs> this says whooping the Aggies every year would be fun, but I think OU is a better fit. Plus, we need to keep them around because you can't spell yeah that big word that starts with cock without. OU hook them and I think that's what most Texas fans would say another one says give me OU uh, this says since a number of teams in the SEC you can play 15 why not a 3-5 five? Wow, 5 is a multiple of 15 so you can play the other teams every 3 years and it's predictable each year see those are the things that you know, again, they've got to figure it out by the end of this week could we at least figure out if it's 8 or 9 and then work from there because you could do 8 multiple ways and you could do nine multiple ways they just uh you know to me they need to figure it out they had said they would like to get it done by april and now we're almost to the end of may when is it that we are going to know um i mean you know i guess if you give people around a year to plan if you had it set by the new year so people could make some plans and get things set is that acceptable i don't know like, I've looked at 24 future schedules. SEC has those right now. Do they know? But I have no idea if it's real. Oh. Like, technically, Georgia's going to College Station in 2024, as of now. But they also have a clear message on there that says schedules from 24 are not set, you know, yet. Because they have to allow for well, all this mess that's going on. Uh, if you have any thoughts on it, let us know. 337-3776. Remember, Texas representatives and Oklahoma representatives are there. The president specifically for Texas is there. I've not heard the exact group, but they're able to walk around and meet folks and all that. But Texas and OU don't have a vote. So will there be a vote this week? They need eight schools to agree to one plan or another. If eight schools say they want nine, they'll go with nine. If they say they want eight, we'll go with eight. Yeah, I mean, look at how many teams that are in the tournament in baseball in the SEC. Yeah, and when Texas and OU go over there, that's going to be nuts. Eight so, of the sixteen hosts. Yeah, it's are not SEC. just it's not just football. They're figuring out too. That's true. They're figuring out all the sports: basketball. Yeah. How's that going to look? Getting baseball, softball, etc. They got to figure it out for all of them. We know just football's king, right. but yeah, it's, it's an interesting time. Yeah, SEC meetings continuing in Destin, Florida. That's going to become a uh, a place you'll need to know, Longhorn sh- Shout out to Nick Saban talking about a union, too, like Alabama don't have money. Okay, Nick, you're really wilding. 
You're really, you're really out of control. You're really out of control. Well, man. Talk, talking about a union of what, like players? Yeah, for nil. Oh, okay. we, we should get a union so that everybody gets the same amount of paper. Like Alabama is just struggling right now compared to Georgia's and the Texas's of the world. I, All right, Nicholas. I love listening to what he and Kirby get mad about. It's so fun. It's so funny to me. The, the weirdest things, like you guys are running this whole thing. Yeah. You're running it. You're running it your way. And then you're making these strange comments of, I think we ought to play a whole schedule of Power Fives. Dude, shut up. Stop talking. <laughs> then do it. You're not going to schedule that. You're going to schedule Tennessee Martin and Chattanooga and Wofford and all yeah, that. If and they, pay them a lot of money to beat the crap out of them. If they let you, you're going to schedule it. Just like when Nick will complain about the crowds not showing for those whole games. Remember those days? He'd get mad about it. Oh, the fans are leaving and the players, you know, we're up 48 nothing and they just lost their focus. Okay, schedule somebody else. Yeah. Stop complaining about it. But they can't do that. That's... The players lost their focus. He'll get mad at him. Like, <laughs> You're the coach. Keep them locked in. Nick, it's fifty-two to nothing. I mean, what what do you want? What do you want to do? What are they trying to prove? Uh, so they've they figured out a few things at SEC meetings so far. But this may be the big focus issue. I'm interested to talk to Anwar later. Uh, Anwar Richardson of Orange Bloods will join us about two o five. Are they talking about anything else? Or is it just a lot of scheduling discussion? Is there anything for this season that the SEC is uh, is discussing? We'll get into all of that. Also up next, a former Longhorn commitment finally makes his decision. And Shiloh Sanders looks like he's going to follow the family. Plus, coming up in the crap bag, I will tell you about American Gladiators 30 for 30 Part 1. I showed up for a good time and... I ended up in a really serious 30 for 30. We'll get to all of that on this Wednesday. If you want to jump in, Specs text line 337-3776. This is The Horn. Chad and Zay. Getting rolling on a Wednesday, last day of May. I am not getting this one. At the very start of it, it almost had a little bit of a John Lennon vibe, but that's not John Lennon. Who is it? Donnie Iris. Donnie Iris? Yeah. Don't know the name. Donnie Iris. What's it called? My Girl. My Girl. All right. Donnie Iris getting us started. Thank you for the texts that have already come in on the Specs text line, 337 3776. Somebody suggesting a 2 6 idea for an eight game schedule in the SEC. All I'm getting from Greg Sankey is he doesn't think there'll be divisions. And to be fair, I don't even know if they've determined if they go eight games, will it be a 1 7 or will it be something else? And if they go nine, will it be 3 6? But that's been my understanding. But who knows? It may not be anything in, you know. Um, anything in concrete right now in terms of what they're doing. Also, this Zay comes in. Somebody sent us a little screenshot from an LSU message board about the possibility of A&M and LSU being the one game. If you do go 1-7, the, the, the message says, if it's eight games and we, LSU, get stuck with A&M as our permanent, I'm going to blow a gasket. <laughs> 
Somebody else says, worst case scenario by far, they are a <clears throat> poopier version of Arkansas. It's oh, in, it's, damn. It's insulting to be paired with those losers, according to one LSU fan. So that, again, is they are the fan base that I think you're never going to make completely happy in this whole thing because LSU's got all the rivals. I think LSU should play Arkansas, Florida, Bama, and Auburn every year. And that's too much to ask. Damn. Because I love all those games. If you ask Auburn, it, too? Yeah, LSU and Auburn, they, they hate each other. They can't stand each other. Now, I've, asked an L, I've asked different LSU fans over the years, who's your big, biggest rival, who do you hate the most? And I'll get equal parts. Bama, Arkansas, Auburn, and then some of them, some of them like that Florida game, too. It's really just who's good that year. Like Cam Newton year, probably Auburn. Yeah, kind of. A few years ago, Alabama. And for me, as a uniform freak, I love that LSU-Florida game. It just looks perfect to me. It looks so good. All the bright-ass helmets and SEC crowd and everything. So they got to figure some of that out. And uh, maybe we'll find out this week if it's an eight- or a nine-game schedule. That, uh, that's where we started the show today. Whoever said 2-6, you on to something. I'm good with two. Threes a little much. I think only Texas and maybe LSU could do that and it be consistent. Like Missouri, who are they going to find for their three games? That's a joke. They should not have three games every year. It needs to be rotated. If they had two, I'm okay with that because it's Missouri. Vanderbilt, who's that, who would their three be? You know what I'm saying? It would probably have to be Tennessee, but you won't consider that a rivalry. It's just in the same state. Yeah, Tennessee's an interesting one too because like, do Tennessee and Bama end up playing every year or do you get rid of that one? And then how do you fit the other one in for Tennessee? Yeah, one's not enough. Three's too much. I think two is perfect. Uh, yeah, maybe a 2-6 idea. And then somebody point out if you do that, then you could go Texas and OU, Texas and Texas A&M, and then you could go Bama, LSU, Bama, Auburn. I'm good with that. For the two Alabama games, uh, if you're going to go with two. We'll see what the SEC decides. Maybe we find out this week. Maybe we don't. Uh, a couple guests coming up a little later to talk Texas stuff. Justin Wells of Inside Texas at 105, and then Anwar Richardson of Orange Bloods from Destin, Florida at uh, 205 covering things. By the way, that part of Florida is central time. I didn't know there was a part of Florida that was a central time zone. Did you realize that? Really? It's weird. Up, It's weird over there. A little cutoff line. So is Tallahassee considered? It's up in that pan- Central too? Somewhere up in the pan- He said like Destin and the Panhandle up there. So maybe? Like here's another thing I learned. When we flew into Atlanta and then drove back to Auburn to go to a game, we went from east to back to central. Huh. So we had to get all that straight about, well, the kick time is this. I know, yeah. but isn't it this time? No, 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 man. We're central time. Yeah, that would mess me up. Okay. That's a little, that's a little trippy. I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. So get ready for that, Texas fans, as you're headed into SEC country. All right. Speaking of Texas fans, Zay, it is kind of the best, worst, I guess best version of the worst story here because Texas fans are never going to be happy about Ron Holland. But are you at least okay with a little better with it now that Ron Holland is not going to another college. Oh, way better. Okay. Oh, it makes me feel so much better, especially with what you got from the transfer portal with Max Acemas, Caden Shedrick, Kendall Weaver, uh, Zarek Oyema. Those are solid gets. And Ron Holland, yes, it hurts. But remember, college basketball is different. There's not that Carmelo Anthony coming in and just impacting the game his freshman year due to – Again, the transfer portal, guys stay until they're 24, 25 years old. Look at Brock Cunningham, for example. This is Brock's seventh freaking year. 
So, you know, they're playing against grown-ass men, and sometimes these guys coming in from high school can get exposed, even if they have a lot of NBA potential. We've just seen it with Dylan Mitchell, who's most likely going to stay in the draft, who didn't have a good year coming from Mount Verde. So to ask for Ron Holland to come in and be an immediate impact on a really high level, that would be asking for a lot. I'm not saying that he couldn't have done that because he is a special player in his own right. That's why he's going this route to the G League, playing for the G League Ignite, because in 2024, a lot of mock drafts have him potentially being the number one pick which I've been saying ever since April when he decommitted from Texas, why the hell would you take tests and study and do book reports and have to have study hall and all that you have to go through as a college athlete when in a couple of years you'll be making millions if you go the pro route from jump. Like he's going to make probably six figures around 500000 playing for the G League Ignite playing in the NBA system because the G League is NBA rules, playing against other grown men, but he'll be able to work out every day instead of, again, doing book reports and studying. So I can't knock the kid. This is where we are in sports. This is where we are in college sports. Every big-time recruit, they're looking at Trey Johnson right now, the best player out of Texas in 2024. He just dropped his top six. Texas is in it. There could be a huge possibility when he signs, whichever school he signs with, he changes that if he has other agents and people knocking on his door saying, yo, brother, you might get to the league quicker than you uh, think. You don't want to be held back in the college game. I've seen it with Keontae George, who was supposed to be a lottery pick this past year. He was supposed to be a top five pick, went to Baylor. He'll still get drafted, but who knows when it'll be in the first round. And he was good at Baylor this year. But they just nitpick what you do on the college level, which isn't fair because the college game, the NBA game, it's not the same one bit. So if you're Ron Holland, hell, Chad, I remember Kevin Garnett's story when he was coming out of high school. He didn't even know. He was trying to get to college. He didn't have the grades. He went to go hoop at one of the big-time rec centers up in Chicago, and Pippen and Jordan were there, and he held his own. And Isaiah Thomas was chilling, watching. Goes up to Kevin Garnett and says, yo, I like what you did with Scotty. I like how you played against those pros. You could go to the league right now. And Kevin Garnett says that changed his life. So they're saying the same Mm. thing to Ron Holland. If he has that one guy in his ear, which I've been talking about him going to these Nike summits, this uh, USA summit in Portland with the top 12 players, including Bronny James, I have to say that because he ain't a top 12 player, but somehow he made it. Going to those camps, McDonald's All-American camps, where you're seeing these scouts and they're giving you feedback. If they're letting him know, brother, why are you going to Texas? I get it. You're from Texas. You want to represent. You're one of the most decorated high school players in Texas basketball history, even though your coach is a cheetah, but that's a different story on a different day. <laughs> You're serious. So why would you waste your time studying and writing book reports when you could get to the league? And that's what he said. That's what he's doing. I can't knock him for it. it yeah, and if you don't realize that the G League Ignite uh, team, uh, Jalen Green was on that team. Scoot Henderson, who's mm-hmm. about to go, what, two, number three or two? Two or three in this draft. He is also uh, a G League Ignite guy. So Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, yeah, they got multiple guys that have entered the league and done pretty well. So years ago, there was this thought that the developmental lead, the de- the developmental system was not developed enough. It wasn't good enough. It wasn't going to get them ready for the league enough, and guys were going to have to consider college. Right now, Zay, if you're Rodney Terry, if you are heck Calipari, anybody in college, how concerned are you when you're seeing stories like this? 
does it really concern you and you feel like something needs to change? Or do you think, okay, that's not our lane. That's a different lane. We're just going to do what we do. Yeah, you say that that's, we'll do what we do. And you focus on the transfer portal. Again, the tra- I heard Cameron Parker and Ty, which did a hell of a job filling in for Craig and Jeff this morning. Cam made a good point. He said 10 years ago, you'd be salty. Remember when C.J. Miles decommitted from Texas in 05? That hurt. Mm-hmm. If he would have jumped on that team with Daniel Gibson, P.J. Tucker, and LaMarcus Aldridge, they would have been something serious. G.J. Miles had a 15-year career. The lefty out of Dallas, he could shoot that thing. A solid career. And you can't knock somebody like Ron Holland, which is basically doing the same thing. They've already held these kids back by saying you can't jump from high school to the league. There's some guys that can, and there's some guys that obviously can't, but they've already blocked that vision. So now what's the alternatives? You heard LeVar Ball come into play with his sons and say, man, even though his kids went to college, he realized his son at USC was like, man, or UCLA, excuse me, man, we probably could have went a different route. And mm-hmm. that's what LaMelo did. He went to Australia just like what A.J. Green's doing. Mm-hmm. So you could go overseas. Brandon Jennings was really the first one to do it. Brandon Jennings was in my class 2009. I remember playing against Brandon Jennings when I was 12 years old at AAU Nationals. He's always been a star. And when he was coming out of California, he was supposed to go to SC, I think, maybe Arizona. And it's around 2009, 10. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go overseas. And he really didn't get treated well over there. He didn't. They, he didn't get a fair say just because they have their own rules over there. You know, they develop those guys when they're 15, 16 years old, a la Luka and Nikola Jokic, and they want to see those guys develop. So when you're coming in, you know, they picked them up, but he probably only got 15 minutes a game. That was good enough. Came to the league, made a little bit of money over there, kind of figured out how to be a pro. And then when he got to the league, he was really good until he got some injuries. So... This is going to continue to happen. I think Coach Terry and the coaching staff have done a really good job of making changes and kind of switching their mindset on how they approach guys. You're still going to have to you know, go the high school route. But with where the transfer portal is at, not so much. So Ron Holland going G League Ignite. Also uh, today we'll uh, talk about, if you missed the latest in the Deion Sanders saga, Deion's other son is going to end up at Colorado. That decision was made over last weekend. Uh, he is going to end up in Colorado. He is a defensive back and rocks number 21. So it's going to be perfect. Shiloh Sanders is going to join his brother and his dad at Colorado and USC goes to Colorado in late September, Zay. So as we get started with the first month of college football, USC at Colorado, a game we wouldn't have cared about, now we'll care about it. Yeah, Caleb Williams will already be in the running to repeat for the Heisman after that game when he throws for over 500 yards and runs for 150 on Deion Sanders. Shiloh. (laughs) Shiloh. Shiloh, Caleb's coming. (laughs) Get ready. Oh, man. Yo, Caleb Williams, it's going to be an interesting year because everybody and their mama knows he'll be the number one pick in the 2024 draft. So how do you deal with that? You know, mentally, how locked in are you to to your team? Which Lincoln Riley, he's going to set you up to be successful no matter what. So you don't got to worry about scoring. But just being there for your team to try to win a national championship. Like, you shouldn't be losing no Toledo. I know it's a bowl game, and some guys take bowl games off, and they probably didn't have certain guys due to them going to the NFL draft and stuff. But come on, Lincoln. You shouldn't be losing to no Toledo, you know, Tulane or whoever they lost. You lost Tulane, right? Uh, Yes. Yeah, Tulane. Nah, I don't care how good Tulane was this year. USC should never lose to them. 
ever. Lincoln Riley, he definitely knows a lot about getting a quarterback ready to be the first overall pick. He's done that a couple times in the last few years. Yeah, it's easy for him. It's easy. He loves the quarterback. He makes them look really good. Yeah, and not to mention the pressure of trying to be the second back-to-back Heisman guy ever. Ever? Only one person's ever done it. Archie? Uh-huh. Man. Griffin, that's it. And no quarterback's ever done it. So he's trying to, you know, hit that kind of history, too. Yo, Chad, before we go to break, man, I, I just mentioned how I played against Brandon Jennings when I was 12 years old. Uh-huh. We were at AAU Nationals. Maybe it was BCI Nationals, Phoenix, Arizona. Brandon Jennings was the most ignorant little kid ever. Mm-hmm. For one, we're staying at the same hotel as his team, South Coast Stars. So they beat us in, like, the Final Four. He's talking mess the whole game. I can't check him. And BCI Nationals, it's where you have to play everybody for at least a quarter. So I'm, like, knife on the roster on a 10-man team. I shouldn't be playing at all. I'm playing up. So they're exposing me every chance they get. They blow us out by, like, 20. And Brandon Jennings, they're celebrating at the hotel and stuff, throwing the trophy in the pool and stuff. Just real ignorant Compton (laughs) stuff right there. And this fool says to one of my— my teammates, yo, we just smashed y'all. I hope your mama saw it. Like, yo, what? Huh? I hope your mama saw it. We didn't really know what he was talking about, but he made the homie cry because he was really tight oh, with his mom. Oh, man. Yeah, so Brandon Jennings has been a menace for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> They're starting them early. Yeah, starting them early. And I was like, man, I'm never going to be on this level. Oh, ever. That's crazy. And like 10 years later, you see him in the league. Crazy how life works. Coming up at 105, we'll talk with Justin Wells of Inside Texas. Get a little preview of that Texas regional, his thoughts on Texas baseball, and maybe some of his thoughts on the SEC scheduling discussions going on this week. What's best for Texas in that discussion? Up next, let's talk a little crap bag. American Gladiators 30 for 30 Part 1. Oh, it was something. I'll tell you what I learned on the horn. Chad and Zay. Oh, there you go. Never a bad reason for this guy. Bob Marley joins the show. Always a good feel. Never every weather, every day, every occasion. Play it in Destin. Everything's going to be all right. They'll get a schedule figured out. Yeah. Bob will tell you. It would have been really petty if Kirby Smart would have just played this. (laughs) (laughs) They asked him questions. No, we're going to win three in a row. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Everything's yeah, going to be fine. fine. We don't care what the schedule is. Texas OU, bah, I don't care. Uh, Bob Marley and Donnie Iris to start the show today musically. We've had listeners uh, throwing in on the math of the situation. Apparently, some have worked out the 2-6 idea, and at some point you're not going to play a school. Like, there'll be a school left out, if you think about that math for a second. So, there are thoughts that it has to be a 1-7 or it has to be a 3 Six. Uh, so we've had different people texting us about a lot of a uh, lot of ideas. This one said Texas is one should be. Wow, I haven't heard this idea. Tennessee. All right, guys. Then change it every three years and rotate the one. Yeah, they're not doing that. See, I'm not about blocking anybody on the specs text line. You say stuff like that, <laughs> I, I might consider it. Come on, man. 
Oh my God! They know who the real UT is, even though they blasted us in softball. They still know that is not going to work out. Yeah, I don't think that one's going to happen. Uh, so yeah, the one seven to me is a little too constrictive. I agree with you, Zay, that maybe three is too much for some teams. But if three gets most of the rivalries preserved, that's where I say do it. That's where my old man fandom comes in because I just think in the at the end of the day, especially with an expanded playoff. I think Georgia and Auburn should play every year. Right. They just should. All right, so we're we're doing the three we're doing the three game schedule, three game rivalry. Uh-huh. Who would Kentucky play for you? So Kentucky, the idea that was thrown out earlier that we have up online right now is Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Good lord. Well, I mean, who are you gonna put with Kentucky? That's, 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 that's it. That's it. Who's You're gonna right. there's nobody you could put them with that would excite you. No. Right? I would maybe say Florida. But Florida has all their teams they got rivals with. The Florida idea in this in this model is Florida playing Georgia, Auburn, and Ole Miss. So could you switch some of that around? And Florida Ole Miss is a rivalry. I don't know if specifically that's a rivalry. I mean, that's one of those you'd have to kind of yeah yeah get see. To, see, I would argue for again. I think Florida LSU is interesting. Their LSU idea is Arkansas, Alabama, and A and M. See, because here's the other question. I know some LSU fans are a little salty about having to play A&M every year. If LSU is not A&M's every year, one of their every years, who is? If it's Texas, who else? You should play OU every year. There's no have to every year. I'd rather not, thank you. I know you'd rather not. <laughs> I'd rather not. Y'all should have OU Region- should be one of those. Regionally, it makes all kinds of sense. Yeah. College Station in Norman, I don't know what that drive is off the top of my head, but it's a lot more reasonable than a lot of others in the SEC. So this idea had Texas, Mississippi State, and LSU. If you took Mississippi State out of there, you could. Would you make that OU, Texas, OU, and LSU? That'd be a rough stretch. That'd be for, brutal for y'all. That'd be a rough three for the Aggies every year. But it is one of this twelve game playoff. Y'all be all right. It, it's good, right. It's gonna be rough for everybody anyway. Um, and the the idea that we talked about during the break, Texas playing OU, A and M, and Arkansas, it brings back two old rivals that I think Texas fans could get excited about, and it preserves the one you know you have to have. Right. So that one, to me, makes sense. But we'll see if the SEC wants to make that decision this week. And I think we forgot to mention today, a lot of this rides on what ESPN's going to do. Like remember Justin Wells told us yesterday, yeah. they're not willing to pay a certain amount. And Joe the Cook. SEC, Joe Cook, excuse yeah, me. Yeah. Joe Cook, we got Justin Wells coming up so mm-hmm. next. Joe Cook told us that ESPN being a little stingy with the paper, yeah. so they ain't trying to pay that extra game if there is an additional game that the SEC oh wants to have. God, really? We're getting chintzy on ESPN and the SEC? They're cutting corners money-wise? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's inflation, Chad. It is. It? No, I know. It's tough. It's hard out there. Yeah. It's, it's tough. I get it. Uh, Justin Wells of Inside Texas is coming up. Right now, let's get you a quick crap bag. Talk about that 30 for 30. Chad's crap bag. Crap bag. If you need an easy way to remember it, just think of a bag of crap. Brought to you by AV Consultations, 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. Our man CB texted, Chad, that American Gladiators 30 for 30 was good. Yes, it was, but boy, it went into some serious areas I was not planning on, and I hadn't really thought 
it through, I guess. When I when that show was rolling, I was in high school, early to middle part of high school. By the time I graduate and I'm 17, 18 years old, I wasn't watching American Gladiators anymore. So I watched it as a younger high school student and maybe back into junior high. When they come out? Uh, it was like, it was late 80s, early 90s. Okay. So this idea... It, looking back, they talk about how the development of some of the games happened. Zay, they got one of the people that developed these games to admit that he was developing some of these games during his heavy drinking days. <laughs> like that was that happened. And then they talked to they had, uh, some of the gladiators that they would talk to. They talked about the injuries they suffered, which I feel stupid. And it's weird. My man Kevin Dunn calls me up last night. He's a child of that era in a way. Kevin's a little younger than me, but he watched a lot more even than I did. And he said, man, how do we not know? How do we not think of that? I never thought of them as guys, men and women, getting hurt. Men and women that would have had those issues. We just saw them as muscle-bound superstars. Yeah. So somehow, Zay, I had a sense of watching professional wrestling that there was a real element to it where, where there were some injuries. But somehow that didn't strike me on American Gladiators. All the stuff they came up with. The one where they do that, well, they called it the cannonball or something, where you swing on the rope and you hit the gladiator, and all they've got is that pad, and they're just trying to stay on the on the little platform or whatever, right? And they, one of them, yeah, I remember a lot of balance. You had to have, a, have yeah. a lot of balance for most of the events. And one of these, this dudes flew off. His knee hit his head. Oh no! He has a serious concussion, and it took him out for a while. And I just never thought about those things. Plus, if you watch part one, you'll learn about this dude who co-created American Gladiators, and he is a wackadoodle. He literally became an Elvis impersonator after Elvis died for a while. His brother talks about that. And then there's another guy who created American Gladiators, but apparently we don't get to hear from him because this guy paid to make sure we don't hear from him. And told the 30 for 30 people, you can't make the 30 for 30 if you're going to try to talk to him because you can't talk to him. Wow. It's bizarre. So part one is out there. Go check it out. ESPN Plus obviously runs all those uh, If you uh, on the reruns, and I'm sure they're going to get a rerun for you tonight leading into it. Part two is tonight at 8 o'clock. American Gladiators, part two. And some of the most famous gladiators do not speak to this documentary because they're so pissed off about the way stuff happened. They didn't have health care back in the day. They got kicked to the curb. They didn't get paid. They didn't have health care. Sometimes they didn't get paid until I, I didn't realize this. They didn't get paid until the very end of the season oh, of American wow. Gladiators. And, and then one of them in the middle of a conversation said, oh, by the way, if I didn't mention it, I got 25000 a year. Brutal. I was like, "What?" That's brutal. Twenty and with taxes, that's tough. And say one of these dudes. <laughs> and, and say that's tough. One, man. Of these, one of these dudes can barely walk. He described an injury where he had seven vertebrae compressed, or seven discs, or whatever it was compressed in his spine and back. The man can barely walk. That's sad. Today, and and seeing that really threw a whole nother perspective on it that I did not have when I was, what it was I, 13, 14 years old. So there was never like a celebrity edition or actual athletes edition? Like who was the most famous person that I would know that went on American Gladiators? See, I don't know if there's anybody I could name for you that was, I mean, they told they told a couple of their stories. They were, you know, mid-level football players yeah. or it was a gymnastics or a weightlifter or whatever but I don't remember any of that I don't think there really was a a an element of it it's just we knew them as 
you know, thunder and laser and all that kind of stuff. Did they try to bring it back? Uh, they may have. I don't think it worked out. No, they may have somewhere along the line in the nineties, but yeah, it was it was it was crazy. And who uh, was running it? NBC? It was an NBC, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it was an NBC show. Yeah, I remember that part. Came on like late Saturday nights or whatever, man. We 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 it was religious watching for uh, for us back in the day. So uh, if you want your eyes opened to American Gladiators and what was going on behind the scenes, check out part one. Part two airs tonight at eight o'clock. See, Come, somebody on the Specs text line said one of our uh, Chad and Zay guests, Tony Dorsett, was on it. Really? It, See, I don't remember. I don't remember the uh, celebrity version. I don't remember that if it happened. So I apologize for not remembering that one. But Yeah, it must have been when you checked out. They came up with some dangerous stuff for them to do. I'd forgotten. It was so much fun to watch, but if you really think it through, you're like, yeah, that is pretty damn dangerous. They said at one point they're trying to air up the mat that they were going to fall on. They couldn't get the, air, the, the system to work right. They got leaf blowers from like a, a hardware store to blow up the bags which it did a little bit, but not enough. <laughs> and the guy telling that story is the one with the big back injury. Oh, man. And he's talking about taking a fall onto that thing. He's also, he goes, so I fall onto it, and I've got the contender, this other person, falling on top of me, and we go down and hit, and there's not enough to stop us like it's supposed to. Crazy stuff, That's man. crazy. Crazy little corners that got cut there. Uh, check that out tonight at 8, part 2 of American Gladiators, the 30 for 30. They always find stuff for us to watch in this spring and summertime, right before the NBA Finals get started. Brilliant stuff, ESPN. All right, coming up, your 1 o'clock hour, Justin Wells of Inside Texas and On3.com to talk Texas baseball and maybe some SEC scheduling for the future. What is Justin Wells hearing uh, about a 9 or an 8 game SEC schedule? We'll find out. On the horn.